0: Um, everybody sort of has friends when they're going through an addiction, and they have enabler friends, and they have friends and family that try to sort of, like, drag them out of it, kicking and screaming. So it seems to me that the number one um, method people use is humiliation.
1: Second, shunning. I think shunning is probably number one. First, yes, socially... there's a there's a group of people that accept whatever you do, but then there's the other group that you kind of have to hide it from. So I think the humiliation comes from exclusion of of all your friends and family because eventually you kind of lose everybody. Right. That's probably that's probably good for you, <laughs> and I guess that's the the AA thing about bottom, right? I mean, that's what it really is. Bottom is you're just too humiliated that you've tried everything on your own and you have to reach out for help from someplace else. You just, you're incapable of handling yourself. But I think that's a bottom is humiliation, right? You can't right. look yourself in the, you just can't look yourself in the mirror anymore.
0: Right. Humiliation's cousin is shame and that's, you feel shame for yourself, but humiliation is when somebody else like assigns you a, a low number and it doesn't match what you feel internally. Like, like let's, let's talk PSAs for a second. You ever seen those commercials where it shows like an addict like like there's the drunk driving commercial where it shows like the car completely full of beer and the the guy gets stopped and he opens the door and like it it comes out like a big wave of yellow. Yeah, sir. Have you been drinking tonight? (laughs) They will catch you and arrest you. And it's it's an anti drunk driving commercial. Or there's, like, the um, the anti-weed commercials where it shows somebody melting into a couch, literally. Like, they turn into a puddle of mercury. And their friend is just like, you disgust me.
1: This is the way it's been since she started smoking pot. She's all lazy
0: and boring and... <laughs> I, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is humiliation seems to be our method of choice if we don't know the person personally. Like... Mm. I may be completely wrong on this, like, but I, I feel like family treats you by, like when you're when you're an addict, family treats you with, if you go too far, we'll cut you off because we have no choice. But the yeah. public treats you with humiliation, like the, the method of choice for America is shame.
1: There's not usually that punch back in the face on our values with family because we're similar DNA. And, you know, <laughs> I think they just kind of understand a little bit more than somebody who, because everyone has different things that, their weaknesses to them whether it's control whether it's gambling there's usually somewhere some kind of weird sex thing or something but sometimes people seem to be very judgmental over someone else's weakness and not as much of their own if they're not family but if they're family they just have a little bit of that same tick or they're they're on that same point of the spectrum as as we are or close to it
0: in your experience has humiliation ever worked for you like like has there ever been a moment where somebody says something to you where where it implies shame or humiliation that you should feel bad about what you're doing and it actually made you quit or or quit for a time
1: there has and in my relationships i've i've had um times when usually your spouse or person who's closest to you is the one that really kind of gets embarrassed by your behavior um times with my anger i used to have a real bad anger problem when i was younger and being shamed that people would tell people the way i was acting that changed the behavior. You know, I've had people call my parents and tell them what I was up to
0: and this and that and, and that Somebody told your mom on you?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> what they tell her?
1: Oh, just about just behavior problems I was having, the way I was acting, the things I was doing and stuff. They just told on me. They just just told tell on you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Of course the family's not at all surprised cuz you've been doing it for how many years? <laughs> but but they were in pain and they were trying to get change, you know, and they thought, well, embarrassing works. And it does. It does work.
0: Have you ever watched a, um, a humiliating or shameful uh, PSA on TV and it actually worked on you?
1: Yeah, no, I, you see those things, they'll say, this is what cocaine does to your body and it talks about your brain. And you read it and it sounds terrible. You don't want to have right. a stroke or have all these health problems, but it doesn't change your behavior at all. It doesn't slap you in the face, right? You just don't. You just don't understand it till you live it, till you start losing things. I think,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: it's it's like the the Nancy Reagan "Just Say No to Drugs."
0: Every day at school, this bully kept coming up to me and calling me a nerd because I wouldn't do drugs, and all the other kids were laughing at me. So I I said okay, and I did some drugs
1: the only way to stop abusing them is to stop using them and, whilst, and while that was going on uh, the drug use doubled tripled whatever it was in this country <laughs> right so no, it, it doesn't work yeah
0: yeah dare actually had the opposite reaction have you heard of um their uh anti-fat threads on on reddit and on like online forums it was like
1: fat shaming
0: is that what it is it's that's exactly what it is it's fat shaming i i didn't well i i didn't know how bad they were cuz like i i knew that fat shaming was something that happened online obviously
1: but i thought that had been kind of fallen out of style right
0: right well reddit started um policing it like the reason i keep saying reddit is because they had i found out that they had the largest fat shaming community online uh, a couple years back um and it was to the point where, I mean, like, 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 hundreds of thousands of people came together because it was an easy place to like post pictures and, and centralize and basically humiliate other people.
1: That's so they see they see someone in the grocery store and they take a picture of them and send it up there. Is that what it is? That's
0: exactly right. It would it would be like Walmart pictures, and they would see somebody who was overweight in line, and they'd post it, and other redditors would just like pile on them.
1: Aren't we in the day of an age of you're beautiful the way you are? You know, Victoria's Secret just did a thing where they're all their models look like they're they're a little bit more full figured, and they're getting away from the whip thin, you know, hourglass, <laughs> 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 because that's their customers. You know, their customers don't look like the <laughs> the typical Victoria's Secret models. Very very few women do, right?
0: That's not reflected by who we choose to humiliate. Because if I wake up in the morning. And I'm not a writer. Let's just like hypothetical here where I don't have anything really going for me. I want to feel good about being me without having to do a lot of work. And so it's easy to like pick out somebody who it, like I view is doing worse than me. It could be somebody who weighs more, somebody who's an addict, somebody who like like pick anything. And, and you uh, double points if it's somebody who seems like they have a choice about what they are. Like if you're an addiction, it's easy. If you have an addiction, it's easy to point to you and say, Oh, that's a choice. You you chose to be an addict. You're you're picking something up and using it. Or if you're fat, it's you 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 literally had to buy that sandwich to get fat. So it's easy to get online and and feel better about yourself if you don't have much going on by picking somebody else out and saying they chose to be worse than me.
1: But you're not picking on people with MS or or lupus, or <laughs> you're not picking on people who are sick. That's not their fault, right?
0: Right, I think that's why this fat shaming thread on Reddit lasted so long and got so big is because you could justify it. It's it's kind of like how many taxes uh, target vices. They call them vice taxes. Uh, like people, um, ha- yeah. how much is the tax on cigarettes now?
1: Yeah, t- tobacco is like twice the cost of even making them, right, is all tax, like half of it's tax or whatever, yeah.
0: Right, alcohol taxes, all those always pass yeah. very easily. Like, like
1: because you're killing yourself, you're killing yourself. We'll tax you. Maybe you'll stop.
0: Right, exactly. So, I think that's the overall message: is we have a society where we um, believe if we humiliate you hard enough, you will stop whatever awful thing you're doing. And in reality, what we're doing is we're just benefiting from humiliating you. Like we're we're making money off a tax that hits you. Uh, if you're an addict we're we're making money off of you if we're going to publish a psa and get funding for it we're feeling better about ourselves because we get to pick on you on reddit when in reality like we're we're just sort of using you as an outlet so i i guess the the big question for today is you know does humiliation at a large societal level work like like does any of this broad humiliation do anything whatsoever Except make us feel better temporarily and hurt the person we're humiliating.
1: You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then we use science and history to bust those myths and re engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd
0: Laments, the extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no-duh on the internet. Today is part two in our two-part series about humiliation.
1: In part one, we talk about humiliation for the individual, where it comes from, and why it's so dangerous. On today's episode, Humiliation Part Two, we'll get into the big picture humiliation, using humiliation as a positive force for change. Can we humiliate addicts into quitting their addiction? Can we humiliate fat people into losing weight, or humiliate tax-dodging corporations into paying their share?
0: I've got a really weird question for you. (laughs) All your questions are weird, but go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever heard of the Rat Park experiment? Rat
1: Park? No. What is that?
0: Yeah. It was also called the Rat Heaven experiment. No. (laughs) Um... We talked a bit about this long, long ago, like a hundred episodes ago about uh, we had an episode on drinking. Scientists for a very long time had been experimenting on rats to measure and gauge addiction and try to get people out of it. And what they would do is they would put rats in cages and they would give them a water bottle with drugs in it or, or alcohol and a water bottle with just water. Um, and they would wait to see if the rats got addicted, and that was their measure, you know, how, of how addictive a substance was. Like, we'll put cocaine in one water bottle and water in another, and obviously the rats would choose the cocaine a- until they died. And that was that was the extent of these science. There is they would just be like, oh, look, a rat with nothing else to do will apparently drink cocaine right. with no other or, or LSD. <laughs> yeah, with <nothing> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or alcohol. At some point in, you know, uh, over the course of doing this for decades, like decades, they were using rats with nothing else in their their tank except for drugs. And they're like, oh, look, addiction rates for, you know, cocaine is 100%. That's so weird. But um, at some point, a, a scientist came along and was like, well, hey, why don't we, you know, put other things in this tank like toys and other rats and a treadmill and, like, give them outlets, give them things to do that aren't just, you know, uh, uh, drink alcohol or drink cocaine. And they found out that addiction rates plummeted very, very quickly. <laughs> um, and they, they expanded this over and over. Like, they're, they're, this is a repeatable experiment. This wasn't a one-off. Basically, they found out that if you give rats an outlet, if you just give them everything they need that isn't the addictive substance there is still a small percentage of addiction. We found out in our, our drinking episode, it's about 15%. There, there is a 15% in, in mammals across the board where addiction exists regardless of what the outlets are available, but it's not nearly as lethal as giving them nothing else to do, and it's, it's not nearly as detrimental.
1: Isn't that middle America with the methamphetamine um, problems where, where it just seems like that's what you see in these places, these small towns? Because there's right. nothing else to do. And that seems to be the overall general opinion of why drugs are so rampant in these areas and not in you know, more populated cities. Just bored. Right. Just like the rats,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> it if you're wondering what a a uh, empty rat tank with nothing but drugs looks like it looks like a, an apartment in um, the east part of Portland <laughs> like we've, <laughs> we've exactly seen that look. that rat tank where there's just alcohol or cocaine to do it it looks like an apartment and it looks like a miserable job we can't capture humans and put them in tanks uh, or or put them into crappy apartments for a duration um, but yeah, it, it we keep trying to humiliate people out of their bad behavior, and in reality, it's just well they don't have other outlets, and we're not giving them other outlets. We're just trying to humiliate them out of the behavior. Like we're we're effectively making it worse. And there are just a slew of studies. Um, like one of the ones that I I found that was really great was a Statista uh, reporting that talked about uh, Portugal decriminalizing drugs. They overnight decriminalized absolutely everything like they they made all substances legal and they implemented like they were losing the drug war bad like we we have a quote-unquote war on drugs here in america um and it's it's not going well like we're we're losing addicts at an alarming rate we have you know like like we've now decriminalized marijuana in how many states like 17 or something like that 19
1: i think last count
0: yeah, um, and we are just dumping a- and ridiculous amounts of money into the drug war. We spend $51 billion annually on the war on drugs. Just imagine if that was put into, like, education or the health care system. Anything um, other than that. <laughs> yeah, Curing anything cancer. other. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And if you're wondering what does that look like if, if it's the opposite, like, well, we need to spend $50 billion on the war on drugs. Otherwise, we will have addicts all over the place, you know, pooping in our lawns and stealing the rims off of our cars. And, and, but that's, that's not the case. Um, uh, when they decriminalized all drugs in Portugal and they put just a fraction of that money into resources for addicts to get clean and sober... And they put a fraction of that money into, um, you know, places they could go to to start recovery and and outlets and, you know, uh, uh, counseling. And, it, and when I say fraction, it was a tiny fraction. It was like a quarter or a tenth of what they were spending on the war on drugs. They allocated that to resources. And they basically emulated the Rat Park experiment. They stopped their humiliating PSAs. They stopped humiliation tactics. They stopped basically, you know, a cascade of humiliation and they switch that over to acceptance and, and and you know, healthier laws. I'm not advocating drug use. I'm advocating smart taxes. <laughs> and what right. what ended up happening is a fifty percent reduction. like they they halved the deaths and they have the addiction rates. like they cut everything in half, and it's still sort of declining. And this, again, Please check out our sources. If anyone is just like, well, these two podcasters love drugs, it's it's like, no, no, no. We hate humiliation and we hate spending money. Like like I, I don't like tactics that don't work, and I don't like that we have continued with a Nixon era method of of doing anything. Like like we should evolve way faster than that as a people.
1: You're a pragmatist, Joe. You're a true pragmatist.
0: Right. There's a um a really good TED Talks uh by Johan Harry. And he, he basically breaks a lot of this stuff down. Like, he hits a lot of the same beats. He's read the same articles. And he, he talks about how the opposite, you know, if, if you want to kill as many addicts as possible, you use America's system. Like, you, you do what we're doing now. <laughs> if you want to uh, save as many addicts as possible, the, the opposite of addiction isn't prevented, you know, isn't to go to war on addiction. The opposite of addiction is acceptance. It's, it's finding ways to plug people back into society have you seen humiliation ever work on companies
1: well I think so I think when there's big lawsuits sometimes I see you know Nike had uh, or any kind of company I remember Nike having lawsuits or bad press from um, working conditions for their workers and what they're paying overseas people, you know, child labor, bad work conditions. I, I think that then they have to clean up that. So I don't know if it helps or if they just move it around and, you know, kind of <laughs> do some positive PR that as as good Americans always do, we seem to forget and move on.
0: We we recently had an episode about the Princeton sex scandal, um, which honestly should have destroyed their reputation basically forever, but it didn't. Uh, could you could you briefly talk a little bit about what we covered in that episode?
1: Yeah, there was a professor and his linguistics master, uh, and he could speak you know thirty different languages. He's just a real charming, charismatic guy, but it turned out that he was having, um, I guess, grooming relationships with a lot of younger undergrads and grads, and and it was just uh, almost kind of sexual predatoryly uh, <laughs> setting up this. And then when he was called on and was asked to stop, his his ego just went out of control and his core values shown through. And he just instead of apologizing and stopping, he he doubled down and worked twice as hard.
0: Right. He turned it political and said he was being canceled and and attacked cancel culture when in reality he was he was going after eighteen and nineteen year old girls and and grooming them for years. I'm starting to believe, and I I don't know if you're with me on this, but. Doing this podcast and researching stuff like that has convinced me that I don't think corporations change unless they're humiliated. Like, if we talk positive forces Mm -hmm. of humiliation, I don't think it's an addiction and fat shaming that makes people more depressed and it makes them double down on their addiction. I'm starting to convince myself that the only positive force that humiliation has on a large scale... we, We covered in the last episode how humiliating the individual... In the right way, in small doses, it, in, in targeted ways, can become humility. Like it can teach a leader humility. I'm starting to think that you have to target corporations and large groups because I think the only reason why Princeton addressed this issue is because it got such bad publicity.
1: And I think we just we we, we really really just kind of look the other way with with anyone's winning. I, I worked for a finance company, and we gave out auto loans. And it turned out that a lot of the loan officers, the high-performing loan officers, believe it or not, loan officers at a bank are paid on commission, and they're paid bonuses based on volume and based on profit. So they're not, and they have to go by certain standards, they have certain um, underwriting guidelines, so they can be compliant, and you know, and make money. But they turned out that they found out that. Uh, the top performing loan officers. There was about 200 of them in the company. There was the top five, and they did a lot of business. They were doing more business than you know 30 officers combined. These this five, and what they found out was what they were doing was there's different pricing based on what area code or what uh, zip code you live in. Where you live is based on um, credit would b- b- perform better in certain areas, so they get better pricing. So what they figured out was to just miss. When they were putting in the, the zip code, they put in a zip code from this one area. So the pricing got good, so they got their volume high. Now, when the company found out about this, of course they were horrified because it's breaking lending <laughs> it's breaking lending laws. You're you're predatory lending, you're picking people who are in certain areas, you know, they don't like that. You can get sued for millions. But they forgave them and gave them all bonuses. They they threatened to fire them but didn't. And then still <laughs> continued to kind of look the other way. They kept an eye on it. It wasn't as rampant as it was before. But again, I just think they care more about the bottom line to the to the shareholders and to their own pockets and the success of where they are in the standings with the other companies than they do about how ethical it really is.
0: Right. That okay. It's funny you say that. I think that if humiliation doesn't last long enough for a company, I think that like it 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 goes from yeah we'll correct our behavior to here's bonuses for our people. Yeah, you know, I, I think they slip back into their old ways. Even worse, the, like golden parachutes because they haven't been because they were humiliated briefly in the press, but it wasn't like exposure. You know what I mean? Right, they didn't get caught.
1: Not really. Close call.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between shaming and briefly humiliating somebody on Twitter and exposing their bad practices forever. Like, the, the opposite of that, I think, is what happened at Wells Fargo, which is they got caught where they were um, having their employees... Like, like they had a, a system where if you didn't you know, sell enough credit cards or open enough accounts for somebody as a Wells Fargo salesperson you'd get fired. Like like your your numbers wouldn't be high enough and, and they would just let you go and bring in the next person. The turnover was huge. And they had people sweating. Like like their their you know bankers at Wells Fargo were were gonna lose their jobs. And so they started opening fake accounts. Like they would they would call up their grandmother or their aunt or their brother and be like, I need to open an account for you. You don't have to ever use it. I just need this. Like I need this for my numbers. And they would open, you know, multiple accounts for people who didn't want them they would open accounts for people who um uh they didn't ask for them like they'd be somebody would call wells fargo to check their bank balance and they would just casually like oh now that i've got your computer your your profile open on my computer i'll just open a checking account for you and i'll put it as like unused currently like they they would open accounts that weren't being utilized or, or even looked at because the people who had them didn't know they existed Speaking of scandals that do or don't change the behavior of a company, I think it's also possible for a company to be too powerful to be humiliated. Um, did you hear about uh, Apple being caught tax dodging?
1: Yeah, I did. I was watching, doing some study on that. This is very interesting. And, um, this is tax evasion goes back to about 2013, and uh, Tim Cook, the CEO, was was brought in front of Senate because... It turned out that an American company Apple has three major parts of their business. That's somehow based in Ireland. And so a hundred billion dollars plus is now stashed away in these three Irish companies that control that you control, but nonetheless, it's in their legal name. And the question is, will you bring them home? And so they, they did the old thing where they, they grill them. And they said, how much money can these companies And the Senate was saying, why are you doing all this just to, to avoid paying taxes in the country where where you live and where people work? And what they figured out was by moving over to um, this small company in Ireland, they made thirty billion dollars but hadn't paid tax in ten years. And then another section of that same Apple company did twenty-two billion in profit and only uh, paid ten million in tax. You've told us in one place, I believe, Mr. Cook, that you do not intend to bring those monies home unless our tax rates are reduced. Do check this out in our in our research links. It's very funny to watch um, Tim Cook get grilled by the senator. (laughs) Have you seen it, Joe? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to play
0: a clip of it. But there are just is an incredible moment where he's like trying to get out of the question. You know, uh, will you move your hundred billion dollars that you have moved offshore? Are you going to move that back to America? I don't remember saying that. Is it true? I said I don't remember saying. No, I'm saying, is it true that you're not going to bring
1: them home unless we reduce our tax rates?
0: I have no current plan to bring them back at the current tax rate. All right. And Tim Cook is like, we are, you know, we can't say what we're going to do in the future. We don't know what our plans are yet. And he's like, are you going to do it right now? And he's like, no, we're not. It's Senator
1: Le- Senator Levine, and he's old school, and he's just asking a simple question like you would anybody, just a street smart question. So, what I'm hearing you're saying, you and your people, is you won't bring your money back until we lower our tax rate. And Tim says, I don't remember. This is a C, I don't really remember. And then finally, in a very just simple way, he says, Well, yeah, I mean, at this current tax rate, We're not going to bring it back yet. (laughs) It's like so Levine's just rolling his eyes. You you feel like he's going to jump out of his chair and strangle this billionaire. (laughs) It's very insulting. It's very insulting to all of us to have to watch this and listen to this and not say just answer the (laughs) damn question,
0: you know. But This it's such an amazing video and it points to a larger problem to me, which is I hadn't heard of it like like. I, I I know Apple users, I have used some Apple products, they're, they're so huge as a company, I had no idea they were, like, flagrantly openly tax dodging, and that they had been caught and grilled by, you know, the Senate, and that this video was online, I had no idea about any of this, like, I, I yeah. that humiliation didn't work, obviously, because they didn't stop doing it either, like, sorry to spoil too much, but, like, they're... They never changed their policy after that grilling. Like this happened ten years ago, and they didn't even blink. Like like they were, they can absorb that humiliation because they're so big.
1: His values, um, the CEOs and the company's values, are very clearly that they give two shits about paying taxes. What they care about is their shareholders' money and their (laughs) profits. Period. (laughs) They're not trying to be patriotic, tax paid Americans. Not interested. (laughs) <laughs> that's what i took out of it no thanks
0: yeah um i went looking for um something to counter that like i want to know what it looks like when uh big companies actually do get humiliated long term like 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 if you just took that apple instance where he got humiliated in in you know by being grilled if you took that and just like stretched that out for a couple of years, like what if they were grilled like that every day? Would they eventually change their policy? Um, so I, I found a really good instance. This comes from uh, the university of North Carolina at the Canaan uh, Flagler business school where they did a long-term study after Australia passed a, U- a really interesting law. So Australia back in 2013 they pass the tax laws amendment bill, which means that um, you know it allows the Australian Tax Office to publicly release corporate tax information. You know all these companies that get caught dodging taxes, or, or we, we see in the news people you know demanding Apple release their tax information, or or a company ends up you know uh, getting embroiled in a scandal, and we we scream release your taxes, let's see the taxes. Australia just had a law where, where in 2013 they're just like, no, everybody, everyone, put your taxes on the table. Everybody, put your cards down. We want to see it all the time.
1: The world's biggest audit, yeah.
0: Exactly, yeah. It's it's the world's biggest business audit, and it's nonstop, and it makes businesses sort of like weep and sweat because they're they everything is on the table. Um, 1800 companies were disclosed um, on two separate dates. Like that's how this started. Um, now, what happened was there was a mass shaming right away. People like went to the streets and were like boycotting right. different businesses. And they found out that you know how many of them are pulling an apple where they're moving their money overseas. So they're on have the to list.
1: Pay. You're you're on the list or you're not, right? You're you're a thief yeah, ex- or
0: you're not. Yeah. Exactly. So um, they found out that about 900 out of uh, 1800 companies weren't paying taxes in Australia, and. They found out that the shaming didn't really work that well because so many of them were crooked. like, like enough of them were were you know breaking the rules that they, they kind of got lost in the crowd. like people would try to shame you know their individual brand.
1: Well that makes a lot of sense because I think back to the shoe thing with Nike. Um, one of the people I know that works there was saying when, they were, when, when all that bad press was coming out from the working conditions, he says, you don't think Adidas and Reebok do the exact same thing? Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't right. unique to... But because we're being on top in this market right now, that's why we're being exposed. It's better pressed than lumping them all together. It's it's just not as sexy to, to, to lump them all together and say, this is how shoes are made.
0: Right. So I think that's kind of like the... Hopefully the, the point we want to land on, which is um, bad behavior isn't unique to any one corporation or really any one person. It really just comes down to who's in the crosshairs at the moment um okay so so they even say in the study that transparency and getting caught as a corporation that's not really what changes anything like like australia didn't change this tax information or or start moving on companies to get them to reform because of this outrage the outrage didn't do anything it was the long-term transparency uh they say in this quote uh, in this um they say in the study quote Our thinking now is that legislation was never intended to provide more transparency. It was to create a platform from which one could promote corporate tax change in Australia. They go on to say that uh, the Australian tax office needed that platform of, you know, X hundred firms don't pay tax in Australia to make people excited enough to actually change anything. So it's it's, it's not about outrage and humiliation for the moment. It's not about, you know, the, the Princeton sex scandal you know uh, getting a single teacher fired it's about awareness and long-term transparency and and it's about you know making people outraged enough to change law uh, ultimately i think that's where humiliation actually works is it, it if it changes the laws in a you know a productive way that's when you get good humiliation i'm gonna can we say good humiliation
1: I think I think that's okay. Like people like me and you need a little bit of embarrassed, a little bit of correction, <laughs> the right amount. Right.
0: <laughs> you can, I, I think for me the lesson in this is that humiliating an individual makes them decouple themselves from society and, and you make them worse as a person in pretty much every instance. They don't learn and they don't correct themselves. They They perish. If you humiliate a large entity like a corporation – they can recover by spinning public image but if you expose a flawed system and get enough people outraged at the policy not the people then you can actually change something yeah let's talk about something lighthearted like um i'm i'm in it for finding out where if if we've landed on the if we've landed on the idea that humiliation can be a positive change to to laws and to policy let's look at a, a something that is you know a policy or a law that has actually benefited from humiliation um do you have any you have an example for us
1: i do I, bogota colombia which is a very beautiful a big country, but it has a, it has a very very high um, because of the drug trade, a very high crime rate. So that a new mayor in Bogota. Being I mean, in politics in in Colombia is very dangerous, as we all, as the world knows. But there was, believe it or not, in this one city, there was fifteen hundred uh, carjackings
0: um, in a year. That's like everyone who is taking a taxi or Uber to work instead just, like, grabs somebody else out of their car and takes that. (laughs) That is so (laughs) many.
1: And so, and the driving, so it's extremely dangerous to commute. There's a lot of carjackings, there's a lot of kidnappings, there's a lot of murders, a lot of people hit by cars. So the the new mayor comes in, and this is just becoming an out-of-control problem. So what he does, he gets a real interesting... Uh, philosophy on this and it, it's almost like almost like an artistic way of handling this instead of the usual police in with badges and and nightsticks and guns and pistols and shotguns mm-hmm. in colombia <laughs> um, policing the streets for uh, traffic police he hired mimes to do it and I mean mimes, I'm talking about ones you'd see in a circus or... <laughs> Actual know, like clown people. mimes? <laughs> Absolute clowns, well said. More clown-like. <laughs> and so when he painted them up and he put them in, it cut, to tra- it cut traffic deaths in half instantly. He also would paint red um, kind of like the silhouettes of people who had died in different places not as a tribute but as a reminder that it's dangerous. So people who are driving, when they see these clown face friendly things without guns, without badges, without authority, who weren't writing tickets, it it broke everyone's state. And when they see the red paint on the street, it makes them stop and pause and think, I don't want to die today and I don't want to kill anyone today. So it's a very interesting and effective way of lightening the mood in a very, very dangerous city
0: i don't think i'd stop for a mime like i I, i'm this sounds weird but like i don't know if a mime simulation would work on me but then again i'm not surrounded by the public right now like if if i was jaywalking or like i mean that's okay isn't that kind of what horns are supposed to do like like we all know that a horn is supposed to tell people get out of your way but honestly isn't it just to draw attention
1: well, I, I think it's hard to I, it's hard to be mean to somebody who's nice to you. And, I, and, I, and I'll give you an example of where you've seen this and where you see where it's effective. Have you ever seen a certain intersection? There will be one of those kids that goes out there and spins a sign for a furniture store or for whatever it is, for a tax place, and they're very animated. They'll j- dance around. Yeah. They'll play guitar. And you get to a point where every time you see that person, you smile and you stop. And then you get to that intersection. You look forward to seeing them. Even though you know how tacky, corny, silly it is, I compare it to that, and you can see everyone at the intersection has the same exact feeling in their mind and in their heart when they see that person.
0: Oh, it so it'd works. be kind of like if that person was entertaining everybody, but also once in a while they would tell you to please slow down or or please don't, you know? Yeah, it's, turn it's not authority. It's not authoritative left when you're not at all.
1: Supposed to. It just changes. It's it's a different approach. It's just a soft. Um, friendly, warm approach.
0: So the mayor who did this, I just want to kind of like go through his bio just a little bit to be like, this this couldn't possibly be... I mean, like this sounds like a stunt. Like I've, I've heard of um, circuit court judges in the South uh, putting signs on people to humiliate them. Like a sign on somebody who like shoplifted saying, I stole from the store. And, like, wearing a sign and walking down the street. Like, like humiliation tactics on the individual scale that, like, really just seem to be insulting. Um, this guy is is known for doing these sort of, like, large-scale systemic changes by using weird social experiments, basically. Um, like, he, he was a mathematician and philosopher before he put in the Bogota mimes. And he went on TV and basically said that, you know, the city was choked with violence and there was lawless traffic and, and the cops that, that Todd mentioned, the actual traffic police, they were extremely corrupt. Like they were known for like taking money to look the other way and, and for stopping people in traffic because they needed cash. Like not, not cause they wanted to, you know, stop you in traffic to stop anything. They, they just knew that pulling somebody over meant somebody would hand them a bribe so they could go on their way because otherwise they would be sitting in, 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 prison for nothing and they'd have to prove that they had done nothing which would take them a lot of time and resources Um, this guy Marcus which is a fun name for uh, a mayor uh, he went around dressed as a superhero named super citizen uh, in uniform Um, he launched an event called night for women where he asked men to stay at home so 700,000 women who would normally be at home caring for kids could go out and have like a couple nights of fun dedicated to them. That's
1: that's very cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a yeah.
0: yeah. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> um, he asked citizens to, uh, you know, uh, put their power to use with thumbs up and thumbs down cards that his office you know handed out, and it was meant to disapprove or approve of other citizens' behavior. So I think this was the the initial like public humiliation test where he wanted to see if like showing other people's approval would would stop them from behaving badly. And that eventually became the mimes, that eventually became the the, you know, thousands of mimes. And that's that's the other part of it is um the bribeable cops, the transit police that were notoriously corrupt. There was about 2000 of them. Um he started out with a couple of mimes. It didn't start out as big. Uh and then it became a force of 420 mimes. <laughs> so like it that's was a lot. A lot. Like it, it If anyone's imagining that, like, it's a handful of mimes, no, it is is a small army of mimes. You can
1: see them all at the police station getting ready, putting their makeup on, each other, you know. (laughs) Walking out. It's kind of creepy, really. It's kind of (laughs) scary. I think you would
0: stop. I think you would if there's 400 of them. (laughs) It's like a bad dream. Uh, do you want to talk about an update about Apple and whether or not the humiliation actually lasted after they were, you know, dragged into uh, to, to testify?
1: No, there wasn't anything that really changed that. that again, I, I, I think I think I write it off as in something else happens in the world and it's less. And if you think about it, then there was a lot of pressure on Ireland. You know, so they started asking Ireland. They say all oh, this. You know, da Of course, Ireland doesn't care because they're getting tax money. For nothing <laughs> it's wonderful right i love this agreement <laughs> i don't care if it's 1 billion we get or 10 million it's still 10 million more than we had before so why would you do it and i think the well, overall the humiliation on taxing i think our overall as a country um, i think overall people think if you pay too much in taxes or if you can get out of taxes and it's somewhat legal it's not black or white in this country we see those as great leaders and great business people
0: Right, not yeah, as we look at Tim as, Cook and not we hail as him.
1: Yeah, we don't see them as stealing or not being patriotic. We see them as being intelligent.
0: Right. This <laughs> this is not unpatriotic. Tim Cook putting a hundred billion in Ireland to avoid taxes. This is this is him being a savvy businessman, and we'll read his book for it. Um, in 2016, if you want to know if anything changed from this one instance of humiliation that didn't make a lot of waves. Uh, 2016, the European Union and the European Commission um, found that the Irish state had facilitated Apple's international tax avoidance, that's their words, not mine, um, and they ordered that Ireland would have to collect 13 billion euros, about 15 billion dollars, in unpaid taxes from Apple, that they're saying- but That's from can't...
1: years and years, I mean, that's from <laughs> that's not
0: much. Yeah. <laughs> right, Exactly. Um, that was in 2016, and pretty much right away, um, the general court of the European Union overruled the commission's decision and found in favor of Apple and Ireland. So they, they reversed the decision. They said, no, you don't have to pay taxes. It's fine. Um,
1: <laughs> Sorry for the inconvenience.
0: Right. So Apple won that round. However, this is super recent news. This was last year. Ireland itself got mad. So, like... We talk about humiliation works only if there is like law or policy change. Ireland changed its tax laws to kick these companies in the balls. Um, There's an article we're going to share from The Verge that talks about how they weren't just targeting Apple, even though that was a huge factor. Um, It's at Ireland Thursday uh, or Ireland last year uh, uh, joined an international agreement that sets taxes and profits for multinational corporations at a minimum of 15%. So that's like, that includes, oh, and you said, you know, what other companies are doing this? Other companies, including like uh, Google, Apple, and Facebook all kind of use this trick. (laughs) So anybody who's tax sheltering in Ireland will now face 15%, which I mean, that's, that's huge compared to, you know, what they're paying now.
1: Humiliation on its own doesn't move the corporate needle. On our last episode, we learned that humiliation can't hurt you if you have rock solid values. When Douglas Hegdahl was called the incredibly stupid one every day by the guards at the Hanoi Hilton, it didn't hurt. In fact, he played into that role, knowing at his core what he stood for. Wanna know why public humiliation didn't work on Apple or Starbucks? because deep down most successful corporations know where their moral bedrock lies. It's making profit for their shareholders. That's why Apple continue using Ireland as a tax haven even after being exposed. It doesn't seem to matter who you are humiliating, the individual or the group. The act of shaming someone into compliance is an all around failure. Humiliating an addict makes them more secretive and prone to overdose. Humiliating companies makes them rethink their public relations campaign. And humiliating political groups for terrible policies just makes them entrench themselves harder. In rare cases where we see humiliation work, it's never the humiliation that does the changing. It's raising awareness. It's getting people you unite to change laws. Good journalism and public awareness can change laws. Acceptance and health resources can reform addicts. Humor and basic sense of empathy can reduce crime better than shame techniques or crooked policing. The next time a politician brags about locking up addicts because he's tough on crime, we should ask what they're planning to do about the $100 billion Apple sent overseas to avoid paying their share. You've been listening to the Re Engineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week.
0: You can connect with us at you.com. That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and blog articles for each of our episodes.
1: We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. <music>